we need to be fathers of the counter-revolution because the cultural revolution that the party is pushing down upon America is winning. It won't win in the end because it's ungodly. And ungodly things aren't going to win in the end because God wins. And we're called here for a reason, for this time, because God placed us here at this time. And that is to help save souls. That is to help build the kingdom. And the greatest consolation prize in the world in that is saving America, which is going to start with saving families. That's, that's what being a father of the counter-revolution means. Because the party specifically the leftist portion of the party. Dad does so much for the family. This Father's Day, give him what he really needs. Not a home brewing kit, not socks. Give him safe and legal access to abortion. It's not just destroying families. They hate the sanctity of life. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now. From the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. The fact that we exist during these times means to us, or at least to me, I think it should mean to all of us that the Lord chose us because he did for times such as these, as it says in the book of Esther. Father's Day came and went this week, uh, this weekend, you know that. And it is a day for me that's become increasingly difficult because I am riddled with regrets. I'm very proud of my daughter's intellect and, and her heart. And I am deeply saddened by some of the mistakes I've made as a dad. And there's mistakes I haven't made that the Lord has protected me from. And I'll talk about this later uh, in a personal note at the end of the show. But I, I think maybe that's the case for a lot of dads. I, I, they're, they're, their parents have no regrets. And God bless them for that. And I hope that it's a godly way they've raised their kids because, man, there's all sorts of earthly rewards that ki- your kids can have. And if they don't have God at the center, well, then I don't know that that's something that we can celebrate. In my mind, we can't. But being fathers of a counter-revolution is where we find ourselves. We've talked so much in the past two weeks about the theft of the biblical worldview. And that's a monumental theft. The kids of this generation uh, do not have any real grasp on what it means to have a biblical worldview. So anything in all things counterfeit can be passed on. And there is, for instance, I mean, the fake Christianity has become so utterly absurd and bizarre. There's a so-called Methodist church who calls himself a pastor. He is a man who likes to dress as a woman who is, um, they call drag queen, who says that God is nothing, queerness is divine. That's, that's what he says. And this stuff can be passed on to kids as actual Christianity. And the leftist portion of the party is very, very busy 
promoting abortion as a Father's Day gift. And so we'll talk about that. We'll play this ad. Michael Steele's involved in this, which makes me very sad because Michael still says he is pro-life. But I don't know how you do a segment on a network that is an opinion network. MSNBC is an opinion network. And you don't challenge abortion fanatics when they're on your program. So to be a father of the counter-revolution during this time, I, for me, starts with priorities. For me, the number one priority is to save the, the soul of my child and of yours and of everybody I can talk with because that's the eternal challenge that the Lord Jesus gave us was to go and make disciples teaching them in, in how he lived in his time on earth, how he discipled others, teaching them his word, helping them follow the word. That was the great commission that the Lord gave us, that the father gave him, the ultimate father gave the Lord Jesus, the ultimate son. That's what we've been asked to do. And that's where we sit in this time. So number one is that as a father. And again, to my utter disgrace, uh, I let something as stupid as speed skating that, that, you know, despite how well my daughter did it, she did fantastic. I, I let that come between us and church. Utter failure. My daughter didn't just see that going on. I mean, she heard me say, well, you know that church is very important and the Bible is very important. And, and yet she watched me say, yeah, but, but skating looks like it's more important to you. Because kids watch us. So utter shame. And it's not about shaming you. This is about me inviting you to learn from mistakes that this old man made. I think we can all do that. I think one of the things we as fathers should do is, is share our mistakes. You know, when fathers get together, for instance, I talked to my brother, Zach Abraham, Bulwark Capital Management of knowyourriskradio.com. And Zach and I talk about parenting. And we talk about sometimes the pain and sometimes the joy of parenting, but this great wish for our kids. And I shared a very specific mistake I made the other day with Zach. And I saw it as a gift. I think he did too. That we need to do this as dads. And the counter-revolution, we're at a stage where the enemy, both, and I mean that the actual enemy, the ungodly enemy, the father of lies, the, the murderer, the thief, the liar, and the political enemy are right now down to the point where they have so captured the minds of college-age kids and, and young working adults and high school and junior high kids that they're now turning to the, to the youngest possible generation. If this turns, if they get them, the United States will end. It will collapse. It is inexorable. It cannot be stopped if they get into their minds. Simply cannot. A nation cannot stand when it's being held up by angry, racist, drug-addicted little sex bots, which is what the left intends to turn them into. So for us, it begins with the truth. It begins in understanding the truth of the battle. The counter-revolution is spiritual. Our enemies are, are, are not the flesh and blood. Those are simple people being used. Our battle is against 
principalities and spirits. And one of our weapons, the key weapon is truth. Ephesians 4.25, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. Hence the sharing of our failures as fathers. We all have them. Hence the speaking of the word of the, the, the word of God to our kids in full truth, despite what the world thinks. I can remember my daughter asking me questions about homosexuality in the Bible, and I was so concerned that she not turn away from the word of God that I soft pedaled it, utterly soft pedaled it, absolutely shameful. I knew exactly what the Bible taught about homosexuality. It is that it's a sin like adultery is a sin, and it's not an invitation to hate people. Yet that's a sin too. It's this equal sin. But it would give me an opportunity to talk about the grand design of God. And hey, you know what? I wish it wasn't this way. But I trust the Lord. I wish I didn't have to say to same-sex attracted people, it's sin. Because it's a hard and hurtful conversation. But I don't make the rules. God does. And I trust the Lord. But instead, I, I soft-pedal it. We can't do this. We cannot soft-pedal. Hebrews 4, verse 12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any dual-edged, double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And it does. And it allows us to measure what we're talking about. People who view the world in a, um, in a non-godly sense, but are, in fact, in their minds, moral people, and, and they have characteristics of morality. They really do. Because their morality matches up against the word of God. They simply just don't believe in God. There's a great piece in unheard.com. It's written by a woman named Hadley Freeman. The kids aren't all right. Adults should, uh, shouldn't capitulate to teen ideology. And she tells a funny story of baby-led feeding. Have you guys heard of this? I, I didn't know this was a thing. Baby-led feeding and baby-led naps is the thing where you let the baby decide when the baby starts to eat solid food. You let the baby decide when the baby decides to become <laughs> potty trained. You let the baby decide when the baby sleeps or when the baby wakes up. And what she writes in this, that she tried this for a good long time because she described herself as a dummy who'd never had a baby. She didn't know what to do. I embraced the baby led approach um, with enthusiasm that was really relief. Heck, I didn't know how to do anything with these babies. I was just some idiot who put the nappies on the wrong way around every time. How marvelous. I could delegate all complicated decisions to my infants. Now they wouldn't scream at me anymore. When I tried to make them do something they didn't want, like have a nap, the babies would be in charge. This did not work out as well as I'd hoped. Baby-led weaning was fine. Baby-led sleeping, however, meant that none of us slept at all. It turned out my babies were even more clueless about what they needed or about how they should be raised than, than I. And so I returned to attempting them uh, to get them on a schedule, what they didn't love. And it wasn't always fun for me, but eventually all three of us were sleeping at night. And she goes on to say that the kids in the office places, those who are demanding that we are shut up, those who are demanding that we use wrong pronouns are baby led adults. And they are because far too many people like me failed early on to teach the word of God to kids, the, the, the true word of God. 
And there is love and compassion and there is correction and discipline. And that is all biblical. We have as fathers of the counter-revolution such an uphill fight in a, and there's no such thing as a secular world. Let's never give into that, but against the world that wants to be secular. Bob Hogue at Red State dot com writes uh, and, and references a lot of Fox News work in this, to be fair, that there are 18.5 million fatherless, so-called fatherless children in the United States. I think that's right because it's a different thing to be a sperm donor than to be a father. And this has real world results. As we know, we know about the correlation to mass shootings. We know about the correlation to criminal activity. We know about the correlation to poor mental health. Well, what does God the father model here? God the Father pursues us to bring us back into the family with all his might. The only thing he will not do is force us to return. The Lord Jesus taught of the prodigal son and how the father of that prodigal so happily welcomed him back. And then his other son failed the test of coveting. He was jealous of this party that his brother was given for he had stayed and worked and and carried on the responsibilities of the good son. And we can all fall victim to this. I mean, that, that, the Bible's not clear that guy was dang to hell because he was jealous of his brother. It doesn't say anything like that, but he just failed in that way. So the Lord Jesus celebrated the welcoming home of the prodigal. The welcoming home of people back into the family of God is what the, what the message was. So the Lord's model is we never stop trying to bring our kids back into the family. And we never stop being a father. When my own dad was dying in the hospital and I, I, I was speaking to him, I said, you can't die yet. I still need you. And my father said, I hope you will always need me. And isn't that the duality of fatherhood? Because in some ways, I hope there's a day where my daughter doesn't need me in a bit. But on the other hand, I never want there to be a day where she doesn't want me. Where she doesn't want me in her life. We're not that different from the Lord in some ways. He's eternal, always has been, always will be. He knows all things. He is all places at all times. And he's a father. And he wants us to know him. And when you read something, you leave something for your kids. If you put a lot of work into writing something for your kids, say for an 18th birthday or a birthday of consequence, would you want your child to read them? to read those words. And so it is with God the Father. He wants us to read his words. I happen to know that when our, our daughter was, um, when we're going through our, our time in family adolescence treatment and our daughter was away from us for a long time, one of the feelings of the, that gives me the most hope is that she kept every single letter I ever wrote her. And I wrote her every single day for 13 months, sometimes twice a day. It's some of the most intimate conversation I've ever had with a person. And a lot of it was one-sided because she wasn't allowed access to email until later on. And I wanted her to read those things and she did. See, the culture hates this stuff. BuzzFeed ran an article that the days of Leave it to Beaver were over. This despite the fact that kids who don't have fathers in the home end up with all these bad consequences. And they actually celebrated this. And this is again from the red state piece. 
the writer at BuzzFeed concluded this article. I wonder what our society might look like if we saw all the familial humiliation and trauma playing out across our television screens, perhaps in our houses, and decided that enough is enough. There are more equitable, expansive, loving ways to live beyond the confines of the nuclear family. Are there? What are they? Person who has created your own God. What would those ways be living beyond the nuclear family? Well, I can tell you, God has a design for that. The full family. When we isolate our families from other families, we are the most isolated generation in history. This generation. And we seek more isolation. And look what the party just did. Put the woke masks on. It puts the mask on its skin if it wants to work again. By the way, the masks are coming back. Oh, no, no, I'm not kidding. No, no, seriously, Germany wants to bring these back uh, for the fall into the spring. They want it compulsory again. I said it at the time, this stuff never ends until people stop obeying. But we're already the most isolated generation. Isolation is not good. The model for a Christian home is other Christians being in your home. The model for a Christian upbringing is your kids and you being in the homes of other Christians and sharing bread and stories and prayer. Again, I'm pointing at myself. 100% failure. Absolute failure. One of the reasons that Father's Day is so incredibly tough for me. Because I don't open cards. I will not open a Father's Day card until I know my daughter's going to be good. I will not read one. And I know that's hurtful to people because they send them to me and they mean and they mean well. And they mean great love. I saw a note this morning that my wife wrote on Facebook and it's a beautiful, beautiful note. And if I'd known it was there, I wouldn't have read it. But it's a beautiful, beautiful note. And it's a thankful note. And I'm very thankful that I did read it, but I wouldn't have if I knew it was there. We have to live in a culture that hates constraint on desire. We have to live in a culture that tells our kids, you can actually change your sex. Now, I was thinking of a way to explain this to people because we must do this with our children. As fathers of a counter-revolution, we must do this with our children. If you have friends or, or family members who are, who are really getting on the so-called transgender thing, and, and they're trying to drag you along to that, if you have a young daughter, call one of these people who's fallen for the trans ideology, the lie, call one of them and say, hey, you know, our daughter's 13 and she came to us and she wants breast implants and hip implants and, and lip implants because she wants to be more of a woman and we're going to do it. Listen to their heads blow up. Listen to them say, Wait, what? She's 13. Yeah, 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 I know. But she wants bigger hips and she wants big boobs because she looks at TV. By the way, we're going to get her liposuction too. What? She's perfect the way she is. Yeah, but she wants to be able to see her abs. And we're going to get her some of the, the, the spray on tan and, and we're getting her teeth whitened. And you know what? We're going to change her eye color too, because blue eyes are sexier. Throw that out there to some of your trans loving friends who've fallen for that made up word, which means nothing. To be part of the counter revolution is to counter these lies and these ideas. 
to be fathers of the counter-revolution is to do that in a godly way, but sometimes we are clever as serpents so that we can be gentle as doves because we live in a culture that hates restraint on fleshly desires. There's a woman uh, who is apparently a model and man, does she like to show off her cleavage? And again, I'm not here to body judge, but I think it's material to the story. Her name is Carolina Laker. She has an interesting way of making money that has to do with adultery. We'll talk about that in a second as we continue to talk about being fathers of the counter-revolution. And hey, what a crazy idea. I mentioned uh, having talks about fatherhood with my friend Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management. And um, we do have these discussions. I mean, Zach has become over the years a very close friend. And he's the chief investment officer of Bulwark Capital Management. And Zach is doing another one of his live webinars. If you missed the last one, these things are really must attend because Zach does a, he does a, a radio show every week, knowyourriskradio.com. So he's always, always up with new material. This is going to be coming up Thursday, June 30th at 3 p.m. PST. So it's virtual. You can go wherever you, you know, you attend from wherever you're at. Zach's going to explain the core of Bulwark Capital Management's investment and retirement process planning, how it's always calibrated towards risk management, okay? That is to guard you against major losses while still growing assets. In the live webinar, he's going to talk about, do you have enough to retire? Should you take social security? Do you need estate planning? And why are investment strategies like the good old 60-40 stock bond mix? Why are they so utterly outdated? So join me at Zach Abraham's free live webinar Thursday, June 30th at 3 p.m. Space is limited. These things constantly, constantly end up selling out. So if you missed the last one, get in early to this one. You can sign up by going to knowyourriskradio.com. K-N-O-W, knowyourriskradio.com for this free live webinar Thursday, June 30th at 3 p.m. PST. I'm told we're supposed to say PDT now. I got yelled at the other day. Specific date time is what I hear now. PDT. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Tech Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. Yeah, what a crazy thing to be a uh, fathers of a counter-revolution and to do it on our knees. No, that's what I said, to do it on our knees. When was the last time that you gathered the group of dads and prayed to the Lord to be good dads? When was the last time that you gathered with a group of fathers, um, fellow fathers, to go through the list of regrets that you have? And the list of happy things and the, and the gratitude that you have for the Lord rescuing us from our own mistakes. These things are so important in, a, in this counter-revolution because we need backup. If we want to avoid the bloody revolution, which is on its way, it's on its way. It may be unstoppable, but I want to pray it out of existence because I don't want my kids living through it. I don't want to kill people, do you? I mean, maybe you have the instinct of certain people you'd like to end, but that's it's, it's an ungodly thing. So winning this on our knees would be a far better way to do it because we get the consolation prize of rescuing America and the main prize of rescuing souls. But there's some really simple things we can do. And that is to live the married life. 
There is a model in the UK who got to go on TV and talk about her new business model. And you'll notice on the show, I do very little body shaming. And I'll tell you why. It's because I think about the body of Christ. I think about the fact that the Lord, the Lord does not look at our outer selves. The Lord looks at our inner selves. He said so in, in Kings. I think the Lord picks Saul to say, oh, well, you know, with human king, this guy's tall and good looking. Maybe he'll be a good king for you. I think the Lord did that with a sense of humor and irony. I know what you have in your minds. The Lord knew what people had in their minds. They were thinking they wanted a tall, good looking, athletic king. There you go. Here's Saul. He's a terrible king. Look at that. Hey, but I got another idea. Why don't we have David, the shepherd boy, who's actually humble and not notable for much other than being humble. So you notice I don't body shame a lot. I describe this to you so you get an image of what this lady is like, at least how she presents herself. She's straight up front in the camera. She has done everything she possibly can to display about 63 feet of cleavage. And in a traditional sense, she's a, she's a pretty woman. She dresses her up to, herself up to be sexy here. And she's talking about her new business model. You see if a man is faithful to his wife. Is that right? Oh, yes. Okay. Is that right? Yeah. And so how do you find that out? What do you do? Well, uh, first it starts with close friends. Yeah. And then friends of my friends start yeah. to asking me and I start to do for them. And later this, it's like exploding. I do for everybody. So ladies from the school, ladies, friend of friends, then mm-hmm. start messaging me and I lost the control. And my boyfriend say for me, why you do that for the ladies? I say, because I want to help them. And he say, why did you don't charge money? I say, but I'm going to charge money for help them. And he say, yes. And then day after, I started thinking about it, how I'm going to do, how they, I can protect myself also, and how I can show the ladies the truth. And I start charge money, right. and I make so much money by that. <laughs> I, I know that most of the people listening to this podcast, most of the men listening to this, you've never cheated on your wives. But someone's doing it. Because it's about 30% of marriages, we're told. Now, incidentally, there's a numbers game they play there where, shockingly, people who do a lot of cheating end up in a lot of marriages, so they double and triple count. So it's it's hardly 30% of married couples. But someone's doing this, but there's another topic here. And that is inviting the worship of flesh into our houses. I have friends of mine who used to have man caves. And I think people have evolved beyond this. And I think that that's a, it's someone would refer to it as devolving. This isn't about hating the female form. This isn't about being afraid to look at a pretty woman. This isn't about looking at God's glory and how God can create physical glory. That's, that's not it. It's about the worship of the flesh. See, she's talking there about active adultery that she gets in to see if these guys are willing to have sex with her. And that's what she charges money for. Now, of course, the the assumption is there that all men would want to have sex with her and not someone else and that it's all physical and it's not mental. And that's another conversation that we can have. But a friends of mine used to have man caves and they'd have pictures of women in very, very revealing clothes and their kids down there playing. This never, ever occurred to me because I grew up in the 70s. I I grew up I grew up in, in auto racing circles. I grew up with that was the most normal thing on earth that you'd walk into a place where a guy worked in his cars and there's women in bikinis everywhere. 
And it never, ever struck me as weird. You know, it's, it's never been a thing that, that that's, it's struck me as, oh, that's just highly immoral. And maybe it's not. But it's the inviting of the icon of flesh. And man, I sound like an Islamic radical. There's a line to walk here, I'm sure. And the line is this, does it get in between you and God? Does it get in between you and your time with God? Does it control you? And this gets to the ultimate topic, which makes men so incredibly uncomfortable. And that's porn. Someone's using it. These sites like Pornhub, which is a sex trafficking site. Someone's using that site. Someone right now in this audience probably used that site last night or intends to use it tonight or has conned themselves into thinking they're not going to use it tonight. I would beg you men, because it is mostly men. So the next time you flip that website on, try two things. Remember that some of those people are sex trafficked and every one of them is someone's daughter. And I'd ask you to remember that if you're a father of daughters, there are men who look at your daughter that way. I would ask you to remember that there is a spirit that Satan wants to steer us sideways, even if it's just by tiny degrees to steer us sideways, even if it's just playing a head game with yourself that, oh, I I can handle this. I'll just do this once a month or you can't. Doing it once a month is committing adultery in your mind. And I I don't want to be a fire and brimstone guy that makes me completely uncomfortable. But the fathers of the counter-revolution, we have to counter the revolution. And if we don't want porn in our schools being put into our kids' minds, and for God's sake, we can't have it in our homes. We can't have it being brought into our homes. And, And you can say, well, look, I do this in private and my kids never know, but you know. And Satan knows he has an entryway into your home. And your marriage knows. Because this stuff changes the structure of of people's minds. Porn does that. So I would beg you as you listen through this, another thing that, that I would beg you to do, if you find you cannot stop this, I'd beg you to get into a group to stop it, a Christian group. There are support groups. I am so proud of the men and women who walk into the sex addiction ministries at our church because they have to walk in the door. Yeah, hey, I'm Bob, I'm porn addicted. Uh, no, you know, I, I could make a terrible joke and I won't because that would be the old radio thing. Uh, there's a joke hanging there. You probably got it on your own. I have such incredible, you know, admiration for that. And if that doesn't work, you're not comfortable going there. Maybe just do this thing. Just remember the phrase, the body of Christ. Next time you find yourself and, and the spirit has captured you and you have that, that, that disgusting website open, just try this. Just remember the Apostle Paul talking about the body of Christ, the fingers and the hands and the heart and the eyes and the ears. And just remember that it's all the body of Christ. And see if that doesn't maybe change the way you're viewing that website as you go through this and are trying to fight this addiction. Because for a lot of men, it is addiction. Being a part of the counter-revolution, it has to be built on our homes. It has to be built ground up because right now the enemy is trying to capture your kids and your grandkids. And if we're not engaged on our knees, we're going to end up being engaged in the battlefield. And it's not a thing I want. I don't think it's a thing most people want. I think people think they want it, but I don't think they really do.
Hey, uh, uh, Alan's Artisan Soaps, this is another way of having respect for the body. It's the respect for the way that the body uh, was made for Alan. Um, God made Alan in a way that tests us as a society. You know, the poor will always be with us. The Lord Jesus taught that, that the poor will always be with us. So we'll always be tested into how we treat the poor. Now, Alan's not poor because his dad is a hardworking, very successful businessman. But some would say that Alan should be poor in spirit, yet he's not. Why would I say that? Because he is deeply, deeply affected by autism. He's as high up on the scale, the autism scale, the spectrum, they call it, as you go, meaning that he's nonverbal. He has a whole bunch of health problems that are structural and are always going to be there with him. They're going to involve just lifetimes of surgery, etc. So in this, he finds joy. The Apostle Paul spoke of knowing what it is to have everything and to have nothing. And to giving Christ the credit for having joy in those times because he knows that to, to, he knows the joy of Christ. Well, so does Alan. And John and his family don't go around using the Bible to sell soap. For God forbid. I want you to understand the heart of this. See, when you purchase a Herminator sub, this is a subscription plan for soap from Allen's Artisan Soaps. It's A-L-A-N-S dot com um, soaps. Um, probably A-L-A-N-S soaps. Allen's Soaps dot com slash Todd. Not only do you get 10% off an incredible package, six bars of soap, a soap rack, a soap pouch, and a fluff. You get that at 10% off. You're also putting down a marker. You're saying, I'm going to try the soap. If I love it, I'm going to keep buying it. And here's why. Because it values life. If this company works without robots, without automation, and using the creative mind of Alan, because he does have a creative mind, he invents many of these scents because they're drawn from his memory. Because wouldn't you know it? God has given him an amazing sense of smell. All the ingredients are all natural because Alan's skins can't handle anything else. You're laying down a marker. You're saying, with my money, I will support a company that's attempting to prove a point. When you value life and you value cleanliness and all natural ingredients and three generations of expertise in making soap and you don't automate and you don't bring in the robots and you don't tell Alan what the, le- the party would say is he should have been aborted, you can win. Other companies can do this. It's alansoaps.com slash Todd. The sanctity of life. If kids are growing up in a society and they are where a baby is an annoyance that should be killed if, if it's slightly annoying, even after the baby's born, the baby can be killed for 28 days by starving the baby. What exactly will that child believe of themselves? What exact opinion will they hold of themselves? How highly will they value their lives? And to bridge this over to the last topic, which makes people so very uncomfortable, porn, what value do girls put on their lives? and their selves and their bodies when the images that they are confronted with from the time they're 11 on, they see choking sex. They're confronted with boys who send them notes saying, send me, send me nudes. Do sex on camera for me because this is what boys have been taught to expect. It is degrading, it's dehumanizing. It does not honor the temple. Our bodies are temples, part of the, part of the body of Christ. So girls see that, and this is my life. This is, I can expect to be this. I once heard a girl in therapy say, look, I can either be a, a slut, um, a jock, or nothing. Or it can be, or it can be so-called trans, and then I'm something. 
But I can't just be a daughter. I can't just be some white daughter from the suburbs who likes horses and Tom Petty records. Because that's not notable enough. So this value of life is being stolen from kids and it's being stolen through porn. It's being stolen through, you must be one of the intersectional partners to matter in life and to not be evil. We know all that, but the, the message that comes through the left, the leftist portion of the party, when they talk about life and they treat it this way and they treat it with such disregard and disdain, this gets into kids' heads. Michael Steele was on MSNBC and he is now, uh, this is so utterly disturbing to me because I used to hear Michael talk about abortion when I worked for him. I was with him in rooms where he talked about the evil of abortion, what it has done to the black community, how many more black children would exist. I was there when he talked about Margaret Sanger being a eugenicist. I listened to him go through brilliant, brilliant rants because when Steele wanted to, he could light up a room with the speech. He was a very, very talented speaker. And I don't know why he's on MSNBC. I'm going to guess it's because of the money. I don't know Michael's heart anymore. I used to have a good grasp on Michael's heart. He was very, very hurt by what the Republicans did to him and they slimed him. They, they, and you want to know why? You want to know why? Because he wanted to fight Obamacare. That was Michael Steele's end in the Republican party because he wanted to fight Obamacare because John Boehner and Mitch McConnell wanted Obamacare put in place because they're party members. And, and that's the topic with which I'm obsessed. So this is Michael Steele on MSNBC interviewing a woman about an ad we're going to play, which in, in, the, in the world of the left, this, this ad is apparently hilarious. Why, why was it important uh, for you to produce this video and campaign for men to become more involved in the fight for abortion rights? Well, I have to say, I have to give credit all around because I was approached by an incredible producer and comedian, Josh Healy and Adam Monsbach and Kamau, who actually wanted to do this video. But we have been doing a campaign uh, because truth be told, when you look at historically uh, how patriarchy and white supremacy has played a role, you know, think about the fact that women couldn't have a credit card. You know, husbands could make medical decisions, could commit them women to asylums, you know. And so for years, I think we just rejected men weighing in. And I think what this video does so beautifully is a uses humor to show dads and cis men, how much they've benefited from birth control and abortion. So anytime someone uses the phrase cis men, you can therefore discount everything else they say. There's no such thing as a cis man. We are man or woman. God made us, man and woman he made us, in his image he made us. Goes back to discipling our kids, back to the word of God. And it's not that, it's, it's not that discipling in our home are gonna create perfect kids, we know that. We know that, but my own pastor is the third generation prodigal. He once dropped his youth minister on his head when Jim was a wrestler and a young kid because the youth minister was mad at him for walking out of a session and Jim turned around and dropped the guy on his head and Jim's a guy who could drop you. It doesn't equal perfection, but we're planting the seeds early on. Raise our kids up early with what is right and they will return to it. And the Bible teaches this. This is the pattern of the prodigal. But this woman here speaks of the beauty of this ad and the humor of this ad. And there's children in this ad. 
And just as my daughter watched me treat skating as more important within church, even as the words left my mouth that, honey, remember now, God's very important. And remember that I'm a very serious Christian. Remember that we're going to talk about the Bible on the way to on the way to skating. And, and we're going to talk about God when we're on the airplane going to a skating meet and, and going to, to nationals in Nebraska. But by the way, man, skate well. I hate that portion of myself. So kids are watching. Oh, you'll abort another kid? Well, that what does that mean? Oh, I'm I'm the special one you wouldn't abort? Oh, that makes me feel good. That's great. I was special, but you killed my brother. And maybe or this. Wow, my mom and dad killed the baby because it was too expensive. I I, I really better make sure that I I don't spend any money. Oh, and by the way, if you think that doesn't happen, the messages that get through to kids um, mostly come through the things that we show them rather than what we say to them. You know, I know this because I've seen it done that there are parents who drop their kids off at Christian schools and then, and, and then drive away and they themselves don't attend church. And if we're thinking that works, nah, it's, it's, it's a demonstration of kids that, hey, you know, other people are going to take care of this for you. Here's the actual ad, the whole ad this is ridiculously bad. And the, the fact that people think this is funny is in my point, in, in my mind, an invitation to at least laugh at them. Dad does so much for the family. This Father's Day, give him what he really needs. Not a home brewing kit, not socks. Give him safe and legal access to abortion. Oh, and all the kids turn and stare. There's three little kids on their dad's lap on the couch with dad and mom. They turn and stare at the comedian. Hello, I'm noted male feminist W. Kamau Bell. Do you know how much I've spent on birth control in my life? $213, mostly on condoms that expired in my wallet. <laughs> Do you know how much my wife has spent? $17,530. So they're counting in that OBGYN tests, cervical exams as birth control. Just so you know what comes up on the screen. Dads, if you've ever had sex and not had a kid, it's likely birth control or abortion played a role. Yeah, or abortion. You see how he adds those two things together? And our Catholic listeners understand the rhythm method. Those of us who are adults understand other methods of not getting pregnant. We all know what I mean, and I'm not going to say it. But you see how he invites abortion into that? We used to not having to worry about it, but nobody ever got. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I know a lot of men who've never worried about that. I know a, a lot of men who slept around and didn't have to worry about, oh, my gosh, I think I got someone pregnant last night. I no. Everybody I know who slept around had to worry about that. Everybody, particularly men of morals. Men who in their hearts know it's wrong to sleep around. And oh my gosh, if this person, if this woman got pregnant, because that was back in the day when only women got pregnant, not people. I know plenty of men and I've had plenty of conversations with men say, no, absolutely. I would ask her to marry me. No, absolutely. If this results in a life, yep, nope, we'll figure it out. It may have been a one night stand, but we're going to figure this out, which is a bad plan, but it's better than the alternative. Pregnant from a vibrator. For that, you need. A sperm and an egg. A sperm and an egg. 
That's right. See, the majority of people seeking abortions are already parents. They know it's right for their families. They would know if having another kid would send them spiraling into poverty. All right. So the majority of people seeking abortions are parents. He didn't say married. You notice that? And by the way, I doubt that statistic entirely. Spiraling into poverty. There we go. The rock of the child. That stone, that unwanted weight. It definitely would. Oh my God. Funny you should mention God, because there's literally no mention of the word abortion in here. He's holding up a copy of the Bible, a cartoon copy of the Bible. He's dressed as Moses. Yes, yes, funny comedian. There's no mention of murder in the Bible. None at all. There's no demonstration of the sanctity of life in the Bible. None at all. There's no admonition against child sacrifice in the Bible. None at all. There's no instances of God saying, destroy the Baals. Do not put your kids through fire torture, firewalks. Do not sacrifice your kids to the fake gods. No, there's nothing in the Bible about that, illiterate comedian. Just like in here, there's no mention of how the state is going to help these families if they force to bear these children. So he's pointing to the Supreme Court decision that's going to come down or may come down that, that will strike down Roe versus Wade at a federal level. It will, in other words, write the record. There is no right to abortion in, in, the, in the Constitution, which is the claim. And incidentally, illiterate comedian, it's not the job of the Supreme Court to write policy like that. And also, incidentally, illiterate comedian, our so-called entitlements are the things that are choking off economic opportunity in this country, so-called comedian, who's utterly and completely illiterate, but speaking to people far more illiterate than him with mouths full of lies. It's almost like this is just a way for a few fragile men to use religion to control our bodies. Yes, exactly, because that's the only argument here, is religion. That's right. There's no legal argument. There's no, there's no constitutional argument, such as one cannot have, one cannot pursue liberty unless one has life. So they bring in this snarky teen into this, and this passes for discourse. And by the way, has anyone heard anything funny in this? This is his daughter, apparently. This is the comedian's daughter. She's ringing a bell, and we're to, we're to believe this is his daughter. And he has this response. Oh, honey, daddy's doing a PSA. Okay. He picks Ask up. any parent. Parenting is a job. A wonderful, very difficult job. And since when does America force anybody to do a job against their will? Well, how about, oh, I don't know, child support. Abortion advocates. How about that? Job against their will. Uh, he's pointing to something else, of course. But um, it's a job. Parenting is a job. Is it? It's stewarding. Here's what God is saying. I am God of the universe. I've made everything, including you, every cell in your body. And by the way, that baby you think you made, try it without me. Try making a baby without the bodies I gave you. I'm giving you an opportunity to steward life. I'm giving you an opportunity to steward a creation I love more than you do. Because I can love more than you. Because I invented love and I am it. Without paying them by controlling their bodies. Oh yeah, right. 
So as we celebrate Father's Day, let's also celebrate birth control, abortion, and bodily autonomy. Because man, have we benefited from those. So enjoy your day, guys, and welcome to the fight. We've been waiting for you. Happy Father's Day! I got you socks. Yeah, it's a humorous approach, isn't it? Since it's uh, it's unbelievably humorous. Brings to mind uh, this person that I want to share with you about Father's Day. The home that you provide your kids, the very home in which they live, the very home in which all of our kids live, right, is, is being put through changes because of what the party just insists on doing to our world. You know that BlackRock is going around and buying up entire neighborhoods, right? Because they want us to be renters, not owners. Hey, if there's any opportunity for you to own your home outright, and man, that's a great feeling. It is. I remember when we paid off our house in Seattle, how great a feeling it is. And, and I hope to live completely debt-free again soon. But if you had an opportunity to do that, to own it, would that mean something to you? So let's look at your mortgage as it exists today. Right? Just You know what the payment is. It's probably in your mind at night. What if I could save you a thousand bucks a month on that? Now, I can't, but my partners at American Financing at AmericanFinancing.net are saving people a thousand bucks a month really commonly. So I want you to think about that, 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 that rate you have. So what, you have a $2,000, mortgage? What if you could save a thousand bucks a month and then turn that around and pay it just to principal? So what does that do? Does it take a 15-year mortgage and turn it into what, a a 10-year mortgage? How quickly can you get ahead of the Black Rocks in the World Economic Forum? So why do it with with, um, my friends at American Mortgage? Well, they're a family-owned national mortgage bank. They work nights and weekends. They're A-plus to the Better Business Bureau. They've got over 7,000 Google reviews averaging 4.8 stars. They never charge you an upfront fee. They'll look at your entire financial package. You had a down year last year. You're in commission sales. You had a down year during the COVID flu lockdown. They'll take all of this into account and they can give you an answer on a refinance in as little as 10 days. So again, think about what it will be like the day you pay that house off, the day you can come home to your children and say, you remember in the Bible where it cautions us against debt? We're not in debt. These walls around you, God has given us the ability to pay these off. He has given us the ability to steward this. These walls are now ours, not the bank's. Just call and find out. They'll give you a free mortgage review. Absolutely no commitment, no upfront fees. If they can save you money, they'll tell you. It's American Financing at AmericanFinancing.net or call them 866-887-2275. 866-887-2275. NMLS 182334, NMLS On a personal note today, my wife wrote a very loving um, and very beautiful um, note to me on Facebook. Well, uh, to her friends about me on Facebook. 
And it's not something I would have chosen to read if I didn't, if I, if I, if I'd known it was there, I wouldn't have looked it up. I don't read Father's Day cards. And I know this is hurtful to my mother-in-law who listens to this program and, and I love you and I keep the cards. And one day I hope to read them. I keep every card. My mom sends them to me every year. I keep them. I've not thrown them out. They're in my gun safe. One day I hope to feel okay about reading them. And part of this is me learning to trust the Lord even more than I do now, that he has a plan. My wife reminded me of a time when things got really, really bad in this, this journey through adolescence and family mental health. And she reminded me of a night I spent sleeping on the floor of a hospital in the ER. And a night I spent begging them to not move my daughter out of the ER and, and, and to not take her to a different location. And one day, I hope my daughter will tell you the reason why I refused to have her taken to another location. But I remember sleeping on the floor and intermittently sleeping for 15 minutes here or there. And she was very bad off. And I remember that she would wake up from time to time. And it's funny because my daughter, <laughs> she's not a person who goes around laughing a lot. When she laughs, it, it absolutely lifts my spirits. I would pay money to hear her laugh. And when she's asleep, she commonly laughs in her sleep. You know, she and I have traveled so often and spent nights in hotel rooms so often that I am well familiar with her sleep laughing. I heard it the other day. Her bedroom's upstairs and, and I, I could hear her laughing. And it brought back great memories. But that night, it wasn't laughing. It, it was waking up in pain. And then I would say, honey. And every single time she'd say, you're, you're here. Yes, I'm not leaving. Wow. Oh, okay. And then she would kind of pass back out. And a nurse came in and came to me and said, you know, you can go sleep in the, uh, in the welcome area. There's no one here. There's, in fact, I'll show you a, a private room for counseling. You can sleep in there. I said, no, no, I, I need to be here. Well, I think you'd get better sleep in there and I can come and get you. She wakes up. I said, she wakes up every 20 minutes. She said, so your plan is to stay here all night. And I said, are you a parent? And she said, not yet. I said, do you have a father? She said, yeah, I, uh, I said, would he leave you? And she shook her head and got tears in her eyes and said, no. So I'm not leaving her. Where else would I be? And that's what I said. Where else would I be? And that night drug on and on and on. And you can't see outside. There's no windows. Well, at least in that ER room, internal in the ER. And then a social worker came in and she woke my daughter up and they will ask you to leave the room. She didn't do that yet. 
I always got a take on the social workers and tried to measure them for honesty or are you a gender jacking sicko or I had a decent feeling about this woman. Always be careful of social workers who are below the age of 30 or 40. Always be careful. Always do not trust them. It's not because of them. It's because they've been conned. I got a good feeling from this lady, older lady. And here's what happened. She woke my daughter up, made sure she was lucid. And she said, honey, your dad is here sleeping on the floor. My daughter laughed. She said, where else would my father be? Where else? Indeed. I got there through mistakes. We've all made them. In this generation, this place where God has put us, for today is the day the Lord has made. These are the times through which God has decided we will live. We are fathers of the counter-revolution. It was never too late for the prodigal son. It is never too late for us to bring the Lord into our homes. If we do not want a shooting war, the consolation prize of winning America back happens on our knees. And we get the greatest prize in the world, which is eternity with the Lord Jesus. For ourselves, our kids, our spheres of influence, work, home, church. This is the Todd Herman Show. We really appreciate your support. Please do use the share button on the podcast app. Maybe share this with other fathers who need to hear it. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And remember our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.